This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. At the half hour, we'll have another visit with the most slothful, lazy, but brilliant detective, Nero Wolfe. But first, we join the gang at Madison High, starring Eve Arden as English teacher Connie Brooks, along with the usual gang, Mrs. Davis, her landlady, played beautifully by Jane Morgan. She was absent-minded and had two trademarks, a penchant for whipping up exotic and often inedible breakfasts, and a tendency to lose her train of thought mid-sentence. Osgood Conklin, expertly played by Gail Gordon, is the blustery, gruff, crooked, and unsympathetic principal of Madison High, a near-constant pain to his faculty and students. Now, here's a little factoid I didn't know before. Conklin was played by Joseph Forte in the show's first episode. Gordon succeeded him for the rest of the series' run. Philip Boynton, of course, played Jeff Chandler, a Madison High biology teacher, shy, often clueless, And then there's Walter Denton, played by Richard Crenna, a Madison High student, well-intentioned and clumsy, with a nasally high, crackling voice, which he can disguise when making mischief, often driving Miss Brooks to the school in a broken-down jalopy. Our Miss Brooks was considered groundbreaking for showing a woman who is neither a scatterbrained klutz nor a homebody, but rather a working woman who transcended the actual or assumed limits to women's working lives at the time. Connie Brooks was considered a realistic character in an unglamorized profession. She often joked, for example, about being underpaid, as many teachers are, and who showed women could be competent and self-sufficient outside their home lives without losing their femininity or their humanity. Hmm, that's a name that's still sought by many right now in the year 2018, huh? But let's go back to 1949, when a cold spell has hit Madison High and penny-pinching Principal Conklin is holding off ordering more coal for the furnace. Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, enjoyed her vacation during the holidays just as much as any other teacher. But as it drew to a close, she had a peculiar reaction. Although I felt that my vacation had done me a lot of good, now that it was over, I was keyed up and enthusiastic, simply raring to go. Raring to go on another two weeks' vacation. (laughs) Meanwhile, I went about the business of getting used to working again and spent the past week noticing conditions which hadn't seemed so deplorable during the hustle and bustle of holiday time at the school. I was telling my landlady, Mrs. Davis, about them while we were having breakfast Friday morning. Let me pour you a cup of this coffee, Connie. It's Rio de Janeiro style. I just got the recipe. Rio de Janeiro style? Yes. I mashed up a few Brazil nuts and mixed them with the coffee ground. <laughs> That's one reason why the blonde hair of a Brazilian is so outstanding. But Mrs. Davis, very few Brazilians have blonde hair. 
That's another reason it's so outstanding. <laughs> but I'm afraid I've interrupted something you started to say to me, Connie. Oh, it wasn't very important. I had just said that I... I really shouldn't do that. It's a habit I picked up from my brother, Victor. He's terribly absent-minded. I thought your sister Angela was the absent-minded one in the family. Angela? Yes, that's what you told me. What did I tell you? <laughs> that she was very absent-minded. Who? <laughs> Your brother, Victor Now, how did you know that? You've never even met Victor <laughs> But he is confused sometimes, poor dear Why, you could be talking about something to Victor And he'd seem as interested as could be in the conversation But then if you just looked away for a moment It could be right in the middle of a sentence that Yes, Mrs. Davis? Mrs. Davis? yoo Mrs. Davis! Oh, oh, good morning, Connie. <laughs> I was just looking for the cat out in the kitchen. She hadn't touched her milk. What do you hear from Victor? Victor? Oh, my brother. Oh, he's fine, thank you, dear. He calls me quite regularly. My sister Angela's the one that worries me. She's the absent-minded member of the family. <laughs> But I keep feeling that I disrupted your train of thought Did I, Connie? There's not a car left on the tracks but the caboose <laughs> I was merely telling you, Mrs. Davis That I never realized how bad conditions were at school Until this cold spell set in Why, my classroom is so drafty That half my pupils can't answer questions Because their teeth are chattering <laughs> That must be awful Young people have such loud teeth <laughs> Yes, sometimes my room sounds like a dice game on a tin roof <laughs> Have you talked to the principal about it? Not yet, but I'm going to today He's just got to get the Board of Education to allot us a bigger budget for coal Well, I wish you luck, dear Is uh, Walter Denton picking you up this morning? Yes, Mrs. Davis Oh, good Connie, I'd like to apologize again for interrupting you before. As I say, I've been a little worried about my eccentric brother, Victor. Before you go, though... Yes? Goodbye, Connie. Goodbye, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> by the way, Mrs. Davis... Yes, Connie. <laughs> yes, Connie, I... Why, she's gone. Poor thing. She's been under a terrible strain lately. <laughs> I'm glad you picked me up early, Walter. I've got to stop in and see Mr. Conklin before my first class. Oh, golly, Miss Brooks, there must be some pleasanter way to start off a Friday morning for a perfectly nice English teacher. Yes, there must be. Oh, it isn't that I don't respect Mr. Conklin. It's just that, oh, there's something about you, Miss Brooks, that, well, before the hallowed walls of our beloved Madison High heaves into view, I want you to know that... Just a minute, Walter. Would you mind taking that sentence again a little slower? <laughs> I merely exclaimed, Before the hallowed walls of our beloved Madison High heaves into view. That's I... what I thought you exclaimed. <laughs> Anything wrong, Miss Brooks? Well, frankly, Walter, I'd hesitate to correct that sentence without stopping at Teachers College for a refresher course. But, uh, <laughs> what do you mean by heaves into view? Well, every so often you read about a ship that hove into view, don't you? Yes. Well, hove must be the past tense, mustn't it? Heave, haved, hove, isn't it? <laughs> oh, of course not, Walter. Heave, heaved, haved, uh, heave, <laughs> haved. What do you want me to know before Madison High heaved into view? 
that you command as much respect as Mr. Conklin, plus the admiration of the entire student body, and that your personal warmth and charm is only exceeded by your excellence in your chosen field of instruction. Ain't it the truth? (laughs) I don't want to seem unduly inquisitive, Walter, but to what do I owe this verbal plaque? Nothing. It's just a natural reaction, a completely spontaneous and unrehearsed. And what did you get from our sponsor when you were selected as a contestant? A pen and pencil set that's guaranteed... Oh, no, that's not fair. <laughs> no, I'm being completely sincere and have no ulterior motive whatsoever. Then, thank you, Walter. No, that's okay. Miss Brooks? Yes? Would you do me a favor? If I say no, you'll take back the plaque. Hmm? <laughs> well, what is it? Well, it's a basketball team. As you know, I'm the new manager, so it's it's up to me to see Mr. Conklin about getting some things that we need immediately. And? And it's up to you to see Mr. Conklin for me, because I'm rarely up to seeing Mr. Conklin. It, what I mean is that we've just got to get some more trunks. Where are you going? We're not going anywhere. No, we need stuff for the guys to put on while they're playing. You see, right now, every time we send in a substitute, he has to take a blanket along with him and change trunks with a fellow he's replacing. <laughs> About ten pairs should do fine. Ten pairs? Why don't you just get a larger blanket? <laughs> oh, no, this is serious, Miss Brooks. Now, another thing you've got to talk to Mr. Conklin about for me is the temperature in the gym. Now, it's so cold in there, a good humor man has to referee the game. <laughs> of course, I'm exaggerating, Miss Brooks. I know, Walter, but uh, A, just what do you want me to ask, Mr. Conklin? And B, why should it be me instead of you? Well, A, to requisition $100 worth of equipment for the basketball team from the school board, and B, because you're older and carry more weight. <laughs> See, if we were driving in my car, you'd be walking by now. Well, you don't understand, Miss Brooks. I'm not trying to shirk my duties, but well, this is a legitimate beef. Now, let me put it this way. In the stockyards, when they want the sheep to run a certain way, they don't send a little lamb out to guide them. They send an old goat. <laughs> You've seen it in the newsreels, I'm sure, where they... The goat and the... Gosh, I hope you're not mad, Miss Brooks. Oh, forget it, Walter. Why should I be mad? <laughs> then you'll do it? You'll ask Mr. Conklin for me? I'll do my best. Now, you'd better start putting on your brakes. My brakes? Yes, the hallowed walls are hiving into view. <laughs> Ladies, regardless of age, skin type, or previous beauty care, doctors prove you, too, may win a lovelier complexion with palm olive soap. But to win this lovelier complexion, the kind men admire and women envy, you must stop improper cleansing. Instead, use palm olive soap the way doctors advise. Remember, 36 doctors, leading skin specialists, advised 1,285 women, many with complexion problems, to use palm olive this way. Some had dry skin, some oily, some coarse-looking. Using palm olive soap alone, two out of three won lovelier complexions. Now, here's what the doctors advised. Wash your face with palm olive soap. Massaging for one minute with palm olive soft lather. This cleansing massage brings your skin palm olive's full, beautifying effect. Rinse. Do this three times a day for 14 days. It's that simple. But doctors have proved this way using nothing but palm olive really works. So forget other beauty care. 
Use Palmolive soap alone for a lovelier complexion. For loveliness all over, use big thrifty bath size Palmolive in your tub or shower. Well, here we are at school, Miss Brooks. If you will kindly disembark, I'll find a place to park and then return for a joust with the forces of education. If I was a gambler, Walter, I'd bet on you to place. <laughs> oh, there's Harriet Conklin. I think I'll ask her what kind of a mood her father's in. Okay, Miss Brooks. I'll see you later. Just a minute, Harriet. I'd, I'd like to talk to you. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. I'm glad we ran into each other. Same here. Harriet, did you have breakfast with your father this morning? Well, yes, I did. How was he? His temper, I mean. Hmm, pretty good, Miss Brooks. Until Mother showed him some of the bills that had come in. Then what did he do? Nothing unusual. He just slammed down his paper, bit through his coffee cup, and left. <laughs> it could have been worse. Sure, he could have bitten your mother. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I'm glad we ran into each other. Miss Brooks, did I ever tell you what an unending source of inspiration you are? Oh, I must end somewhere. <laughs> I mean it, Miss Brooks. You're more than just an excellent instructor of English. You're... You're... I'm the Patsy who's going to face your father with one of your problems. <laughs> All this in psychic, too. How did you know I wanted you to talk to Daddy for me, Miss Brooks? Well, why should you be an exception, Harriet? What's your beef? Uh, complaint. <laughs> the domestic science room. It's like a deep freeze. That room, too? It's so cold that most of us wear gloves all during the class. Makes it very awkward, Miss Brooks, especially when we're trying to use the sewing machine. It sounds pretty bad. Bad? It's terrible. Yesterday, Bessie Snyder sewed five of her fingers together. <laughs> well, what's so terrible about that? Gives you an extra ladle for the cooking class. <laughs> it broke the sewing machine, and we need $200 for a new one. Oh, but Harriet... Miss Brooks, it's up to you to make conditions in this school livable. For you, you mean. I'd better be armed with plenty of facts before I face your father, though. I think I'll make a survey of the rest of the rooms. Starting with Mr. Boynton's biology laboratory? Now who's psychic? <laughs> yes, Harriet, I think I'll interview the shy master of the microbes. I've been in there, Miss Brooks. It's even colder than the other rooms. I hope you can do something about it. I should be able to, with the experience I've had. Well, what do you mean, Miss Brooks? I've been trying to thaw Mr. Boynton out for years. <laughs> Come in. Hello, Mr. Boynton. Oh, it's you, Miss Brooks. How do you feel this morning? Cold, thanks. Especially in here. Where do you hang your sides of beef, Mr. Boynton? <laughs> oh, it... <laughs> this kind of... Really, at that... I was going to ask Mr. Conklin about the heating situation, but now that you're here, I wonder if you would, uh... Naturally. <laughs> you better slip this coat on. Even your voice is shivering. No, this outfit I'm wearing is fairly warm. I've got four sweaters on, you know. Really? Where? Let's not get racy, Mr. Boynton. <laughs> mean anything personal. You never do. <laughs> well, the situation is pretty bad. Now, take my prize frog, McDougal, for instance. He's had a sore throat for weeks. Now, with this cold spell, I'm afraid he's developing sinus trouble. Oh, here's his cage right here. Hello, Mac. How do you feel? tight. <laughs> <laughs> Have a Kleenex, Mac. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's no wonder he's sick. Look at the tank he's in. No provisions for heating the water at all. Or this morning, his breakfast was frozen two inches from his nose. By the time he did eat, he had indigestion. 
careful, Mr. Boynton. This equipment is pretty obsolete. What's this bowl here? Oh, these must be some new fish. What's the name of these pretty blue ones, Mr. Boynton? Goldfish. They're just cold. (laughs) (laughs) They could slap their pins together. Oh, look at these cute little guinea pigs. Now, they're what I call sensible animals. Look how they huddle together for warmth in their cage. You know, Mr. Boynton, you and I could keep kind of warm that way, too. (laughs) No, no, we couldn't, Miss Brooks. We could never fit into a cage that size. (laughs) Well, no, but it would be fun trying to. (laughs) Look, Mr. Boynton, about what do you estimate it would cost for new equipment for this lab? Oh, a couple of hundred dollars, roughly. One fifty, if you smooth it out. <laughs> That's a sort of a joke, Miss Brooks. First I said roughly, and then one fifty, if you smooth it out. Oh. <laughs> That's a Lulu. Uh, I know another one, but I wish you'd stop me if you've heard it. It's about this group of people. I've heard it. <laughs> have? Uh, the one about the group of people who are all discussing something in a very animated manner And suddenly they stop and this one fellow says, is anybody eating a lifesaver? And somebody else says, why? And the first chap says, because there's a hole in the conversation <laughs> Is that the one you've heard? No, I heard a different one Tell yours Well, it's about... <laughs> I just did tell it, Miss Brooks. Oh, so you did, Mr. Boynton. And a little beauty it was, too. But I'd better get ready for my first class now. I'll see Mr. Conklin at the beginning of lunch period. Well, it's awfully nice of you to do this, Miss Brooks. Will you have lunch with me afterwards? Oh, I'd love to, Mr. Boynton. Uh, and, Miss Brooks, please don't even bring your purse with you. It, it only embarrasses me when you try to pay your own check in the cafeteria. All right, Mr. Boynton. I'll leave my bag in my desk. Fine. When I see you to your room, I can pick up what you owe me. <laughs> good one, too. (laughs) What am I laughing at? He's not kidding. (laughs) Let's see this list now. Weather stripping for my room, $50. Basketball team equipment, $100. New sewing machine, about $200. And biology lab equipment, $150. Total $500. Of course, that's without the additional coal we'll have to get. Well, here goes. Come in. Hello, Mr. Conklin. I just wanted to Sit down a moment, Miss Brooks. I'm speaking on the phone. Yes, sir. So you see, Miss Stanhope, this senseless extravagance has got to stop. Why, do you realize that your art class used up three more drawing pencils this month than last? (laughs) What do you think the school board is made of? Money? What? How can you cut down? Tell the students not to sharpen them so often. (laughs) And remember, Miss Stanhope, it isn't the 50 cents involved that's important. It's the money. (laughs) Get on the ball and let's start cutting down expenses around here. Good day. Now, what do you want? A happy new year, Mr. Conklin. I mean, I just happened to be passing your office, and I thought I'd stop in and say, hello. Hello. Now, if you'll excuse me, I was just going to lunch. But, Mr. Conklin, you don't want to go up to that drafty cafeteria. What do you mean, drafty? Oh, it is. It's almost as bad as the schoolrooms. What? And the gym and the biology laboratory and the domestic science room in which your own daughter, Harriet, is at this very moment shivering and shaking while she sews her gloved fingers together on the sewing machine which Bessie Snyder broke. There, I said it, and I'm glad. (laughs) If you're angling for another vacation, Miss Brooks, the answer is no. 
Now compose yourself and talk like a rational human being. Well, it's like this, Mr. Conklin. If we could get a larger appropriation from the school... A larger appropriation? (laughs) Miss Brooks, let me tell you what I was planning when you so fortuitously entered my office. I was planning on a general revision of expenses. An economy wave the likes of which this school has never seen. For example, you will in the future direct your pupils to use half as much chalk. You mean no more capital letters? (laughs) Exactly. And this building, it's kept like a hothouse. I intend to cut way down on the supply of coal we're wasting. Wasting? But... But... Don't butt me, young woman. <laughs> oh, I can't help it. I'm the goat that was picked for the job. <laughs> that is, it's not a question of a lot of money, Mr. Conklin. And the temperature of the school is very important. It certainly is. And I find it extremely comfortable for the most part. But you, why are you wearing your overcoat? It's just a silly quirk of mine, Mr. Conklin. I'm trying to break up an ice jam in my arteries. <laughs> Nonsense. And take off those gloves. And I wish you'd stop smoking while you're talking to me. I'm not smoking. I'm just breathing. (laughs) Well, cut it out. (laughs) That's the trouble with people nowadays. They're all mollycoddled. Softies. Why, when I think of our forefathers at Valley Forge, dragging cannons through the snow with their feet wrapped in rags, it's enough to make my blood boil. Well, it wouldn't boil in my room. <laughs> Look, Mr. Conklin, if you don't care about people, think of the poor little animals in Mr. Boynton's laboratory. What's wrong with them? The white mice can't run around on the treadmill without snowshoes. <laughs> and McDougal doesn't know whether to croak, sneeze, or hiccup. So he does all three, and it's pretty depressing. <laughs> well, then don't listen to it. And how about the basketball team? Walter Denton says that every time one of his substitutes goes into a game, he has to hide behind a trunk while they're changing blankets. (laughs) And just think, a hundred dollars would remedy the entire situation. A hundred dollars? Plus two hundred for a new sewing machine, fifty for weather-stripping my room, and a hundred and fifty for warmer tanks and better equipment in the biology lab. Five hundred dollars is all you have to requisition from the board, plus some added money for coal. And if you'll sharpen the sword, I'll fall on it on my way out. Miss Brooks, I'm going to try to control myself. I'm going to walk over to that window and look out of it. A moment later, I'm going to turn around, and you will have gone quietly out of the door. Ah, that's better. Five hundred dollars indeed. Plus coal. Get out! The cafeteria was pretty crowded today. Young Denton here invited us to share his table. Sure, sit down, Miss Brooks. Want me to get you a tray? Thanks, Walter, but I haven't time to eat right now. I've just let, left Mr. Conklin's office, and he's flatly refused to requisition a penny from the school board. But the temperature, my animals, McDougal's toes are frostbitten now. And how about my basketball team? We got a very important home game on tomorrow night, and that gym is just icy. Oh, we got to do something, Miss Brooks. We just got to get some more coal into this building. Well, maybe we could start an airlift. <laughs> no, I guess not. Wait a minute. The only way to make Mr. Conklin see the necessity of improving the cold situation is to pretend we're all coming down with cold. You mean go into his office sneezing and coughing and all? Exactly. He won't dare face a school board investigation if he thinks an epidemic is starting. 
Besides, I happen to know he's quite a hypochondriac when it comes to contagious germs. But if we really don't have colds, you'd be lying to say we have, wouldn't it? It's a white lie for the common good, Mr. Barton. Oh, but you know what happens to me when I tell a falsehood. I have a psychosomatic symptom that causes me to hiccup. Well, we'll have to take that chance. <laughs> Think of McDougal, Mr. Boynton, and those blue goldfish swimming around depending on you to do something. I'll do it, Miss Brooks. I'll be darned if I don't. Oh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> oh, forget it, Mr. Boynton. In a crisis like this, even I resort to profanity. Oh, fudge. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, I got a bad cold. What? Uh, it's in by Doze and Ed, mostly. Yeah, turn around, Boynton. Don't you know those germs travel? How long have you had this cold? Oh, for a long time. And shoo! You caught something from that wretched frog of yours. Now go take some aspirin. Go home early. Do something, but get out of this office at once. Uh, but, Mr. Conklin, if my laboratory was a little bit warm... I'll talk to you after you've recovered, Boynton. Uh, fine, Mr. Uh, Conklin. Uh, thank you, sir. <laughs> Better open the window and clear the air in this room. Ah, ah, that's better. <laughs> Come in. It's me, Mr. Conklin. Water deaded. What do you want, Benton? As manager of the basketball team, I'd like to request a warmer jib. A what? A warmer jib to play in. It's freezing in there. I got a cold. You too? Well, cover your face when you sneeze. We got a very important game to play tomorrow, and we need some heat badly. Heat. Well, if you've got such a bad cold, Denton, you'd better not come around to the game tomorrow. What? I'll be there, and I'll appoint another manager. Well, I'm not that sick, Mr. Conklin. Gosh, I feel great. I mean... I think I know what you mean, Denton. This is all a scheme to get me to ask the board for more money. And I think I know who put you up to it, too. She did not. Oh, that is... <laughs> come in, Miss Brooks. How did you know it was B, Mr. Conklin? <laughs> I heard you rehearsing your sneeze. You look great, Miss Brooks. Never saw you looking better. Thank you, Walter. You couldn't possibly have a cold or anything the way you look. Know what I mean? Keep talking, Denton. I don't mind. Why, what's the matter with you, Walter? I have a terrible cold in my chest and my head. It's from my room, Mr. Coughlin. <laughs> uh, Mr. Coughlin, if that is the stream, you sure do a funny imitation of a person with a cold, Miss Brooks. What do you be, imitation? Sure. Everybody knows you're just fooling. <laughs> Among my own pupils, a stool pigeon. I knew this was all a plot, Miss Brooks, and I'm ashamed of you. Why, just because there's a little fresh air circulating through the school. Good fresh air. You throw a fit. Our forefathers should see you now. Those men at Valley Forge dragging the cannon through the snow with rags tied around their feet. Why oh, would I think of those? The door was open, so I just came on in, Daddy. Oh, uh, what is it, Harriet? I talked to Mother on the phone a little while ago, and her back's bothering her a bit. She liked the heating pad. What heating pad? The one you've got under the cushion you're sitting on. <laughs> Here's the plug back here. Now, if you'll just get up a minute. There we are. I'll take it home to Mother right away. Where in the world did that thing come from? <laughs> from Valley Forge, of course. The boys... 
<laughs> the boys must have got some hot rags for their feet. <laughs> Well, Mr. Conklin recommended the necessary expenditures to the school board and personally ordered some coal immediately. I thought it was a very sportsmanlike and unselfish gesture, and I started to tell him so when I met him in the hall. Mr. Conklin, I think it was very nice of you to tackle this problem so promptly. Thanks, Miss Brooks. <laughs> but I wasn't prompt enough. I'm getting to bode you. Huh? Huh? Ah! the difference, Mr. Conklin, as long as you've got your health. Stay tuned for Nero Wolf next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to interrupt Nero Wolf as he currently sniffs his orchids and enjoys another exotic meal to appear in tonight's episode, Midnight Ride. Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell brings you mystery, adventure, Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. Who? Oh, yeah, hello, Doc, how are you? <laughs> what? In trouble, you? <laughs> More trouble, you trick trouble, Archie, hang up. It's our dentist, Dr. Thrumming. Let him wait. We never can find him when we need him. Tell him it's after office hours. Doc, Doc, you're talking so fast, I can't make head and the tails of it. Look. Look, listen, Doc, come on over here and we'll be able to hear you. It'll only take you a few minutes. Right. You consistently disobey me. I want to work on my paper about odontocosms. Doc Thrummick has a friend who's in some trouble and he needs our advice. Besides, we owe Doc a fair-sized little bill, remember? Money again, Archie. Money is the curse of our times. Yeah, man. Bring on all the curses that is available. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that renowned genius who is the bulkiest, bulkiest, most ponderous, and most brilliant detective in the world. Yes, none other than that chair-born mass of unpredictable intellect, Nero Wolfe, created by Rex Stout and brought to you in a new series of adventures over this NBC network in the person of Mr. Sidney Greenstreet. <laughs> This story is one we refer to as the case of the Midnight Ride. Oh, yeah, there was a ride, all right. But it would never have happened if we hadn't received another phone call a few minutes after our Dr. Thrummig phone. It was late in the evening, and Nero Wolf was studying his paper on orchids while I was absorbed in playing some phonograph records. Archie, Archie, not so loud. I can't possibly think when you play that infernal thing at such volume. What was that you said, boss? I said I can't understand why you can't get music from a phonograph without vibrating the top of the instrument. That's right, that's right. I can't understand why the neighbors haven't called the police. Do you hear that, Archie? Archie! All right, I'll answer. You're fired, naturally. Hello? Hello. Is this Archie Goodwin? I know, Mr. Wolf's... What? Me? Archie. Yeah, who is it? I need help, Archie, please. Come at once. Please. Oh, please. 
please. You and Nero. Who is this? This is Gloria. But no, no, don't. Gloria, who? Ronaldo. West. Hello. Hello. Well, did you hear that? Another female bar. What happened? Boss, who do you know named Gloria? Gloria? I know nothing about anyone named Gloria. She said her name was Gloria something. I couldn't quite get the last name. But she did say Ronaldo Road. Well, it's quite possible that she resides on Ronaldo Road. First she asked if this was Archie Goodwin speaking, and before I had a chance to say anything, she asked me to come to her at once. She needed help for you to bring me along. I mean... For me to bring Nero along. You don't even know what you're talking about. Well, she said she was Gloria Barr or Mar or something like that. And then she said Ronaldo Road West. And then the scream, and that's all there was. Hmm. The usual pattern of your experience with women. Sounded like a hand was slapped over her mouth or she was grabbed by the throat. Bring Nero with you. I am taking no more assignments this week. Ronaldo Road West. Where is it? I don't believe there is a Ronaldo Road West. If I remember correctly, Ronaldo Road runs north and south and is approximately 12 miles long. But she said west. What she probably tried to say when she was interrupted was Ronaldo Road, West Chester. West Chester, of course. Asked Inspector Kramer to try to check on that phone call. I'll ask him to try. By the way, do you expect to find this Gloria alive, Archie? I certainly hope so. And are you aware that if someone strangled her... And they must have heard her speak your name? Yes, and yours too. Shall I open it, boss? Why not? Let us face it, Archie. Huh? It's me, Archie. Wait till I slide the night chain off, Dr. Thrummage. In my nose. (laughs) I forgot all about you, Doc. Where have you been? It's only been three or four minutes. I have never had such a disturbing night since I had my first patient. But at first, I was afraid to leave the house. And why were you so afraid, Dr. Thrumming? There were two men sitting in front of my place in the car. Oh, oh good evening, Nero. Were they waiting for you, Doctor? Well, why not? Very likely. Since she called me, I've been so completely unnerved. Here, I... Doc, here. Have some brandy. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, I never... Uh, well, that is... Uh, well, a small one. I, I am upset. Uh, you understand, Archie. Uh, uh, oh, well, that's busy. Just who called you and upset you so? Oh, hello, Nero. Did someone call me? When? You phoned me frantically that a woman called you. I couldn't understand you on the phone. Oh, yes, yes. Poor Gloria. She was cut off. Oh, Gloria. Did you say Gloria? Well, didn't I? I thought I did. Oh, dear. What did you say? I said Gloria. Oh, my. Isn't that strange? I thought that's what I said. No, no, no more, please. We just had a call from Gloria. Who is Gloria? Well, you remember, we all went to school together. Uh, That is, oh, you do too remember. Uh, Gloria, you know, she was... um, Uh, Just what is Gloria's last name, Dr. Thrumming? Well, it was Gloria Barnesworth. I don't know what it is now. That's what she was trying to say to me, Barnesworth. Did she tell you where to find her? No, she didn't. Oh, dear me. She was just about to tell me when I said I'd call you and Archie and get your help. And then she was cut off. How do you know she's the Gloria Barnesworth you knew and I'm supposed to know? My. Could you open the windows? Why, yes. Archie. Oh, sorry, Doc. The air outside's contaminated. Oh, is that so? With what? Oxygen. Mm, oh, these factories, factories, factories. Oh, well, I found her picture in an old class photo. Here it is. Yeah, now I remember. 
But, Doc, you and this gal were several years ahead of me in school. I, I'm not in this picture, so she must be about 40 now. Well, gentlemen, you both seem to have the situation well in hand now. So if you'll excuse me, I will retire to my room. Oh, oh yes, but we don't have anything figured out yet. Ah, but you will. Let me know in the morning how successful you have been. Good night. Well, anyway, a woman called here, and just as she was about to tell me who she was and her address, she was cut off as though she was strangled. Yeah, Archie, did you say someone strangled her? I don't know, Doc. I hope not. Well, let's start our search along Ronaldo Road. Archie, Archie, don't answer it. They're after me. The men in the car, they saw me come in here. After you, nonsense. They found out Gloria phoned me. Don't let them in. Now, how could you know all that? Oh, dear me. Do you mind? A short one? I'm so weak today. Please, Archie, don't open it. I warn you. Now, just relax, Doc. I'll handle this. Good evening. Evening. Are you Archie Goodwin? Uh, no, he is. Yes. No, I'm not. He is. Put up your hands. Unhook the night chain. Now just turn off this light. Oh, I told you. I told you. Where's Wolf? Oh, he's been in bed for hours. And who is this little man? Hey, why, well, I'm... Don't you know? This is my, uh, my, my brother, Brother Cuthbert. Yes, he's quite right. I'm a bit older than he is. Shut up, Cuthbert. All right, get your coats and hats off that rack. What for? We're all going for a little ride along the river. And it's a bit chilly. Oh, dear me. Uh, I feel faint. I'm getting dizzy. Get your hat. Uh, yes, sir. And put that bottle down. But it's so cold out there. Get along. I... Here's the car. Now, Mr. Goodwin, hand over that gun in your pocket. But I haven't got... Okay, there you are. Thank you. Now, get in the car. You get in the front seat with the driver, Goodwin. Your brother can get back with me. Okay, you know where we're going, driver. Yeah, yeah but... Yeah, but I... what? Get going. But do you know who this guy is? I do. Why? Well, now, look, I... Well, this guy is Archie Goodwin. What if he is? Well, this won't work. I mean, I didn't know it was going to be Goodwin. He's with Nero Wolf. What's your name, pal? I can't see you, but I seem to recognize your voice. Well, well, you see, it was like this. I was in a... Are you going to shut up and start driving? Okay, okay, I'm going. <laughs> It's getting very late. I, I don't like this. Uh, where are you taking us? Keep calm, Doc. Yeah, don't get excited. Just take it easy. Listen, Goodwin, I got a record Shut for up, you. you my... What's the idea back of all this, friend? We're off the road here, driver. Yes, but we're way out in the country. Now, we'll all get out here. Now, wait a minute. I said get out. You too, driver. Oh, now, wait a second. What's the big idea? Now, all of you start walking over to that clump of trees. Go on. What's he going to do? What do you think? Okay, that's good. Just stand there. Now get out your gun, driver. Get... Oh, now wait a minute. This is get the way you Get out your gun see... and don't turn around, driver. Now let him have it. Go on or I'll kill you. I don't go in for this kind of stuff. Besides, kill him. Empty your gun into them. Go on. Ah! Now just drop your gun on the ground. There. Now I will take Goodwin's gun and after I finish with it, I'll just toss it over beside his body. You what? Hey, now, wait a minute. You'll notice I have gloves on. Hey, Doc. Dr. Thrumming. You all right, Doc? Oh. Oh, Archie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got you into this. I, I can't last long. Where are you hit? Tell Nero I make him a present of his new bridge work I put in. Let me have a look at you. 
I wanted to die in my bed with my friends around You're me. not bleeding. I wanted the choir to sing. What? I'm not bleeding? No. Are you? No. The driver was a bad shot. He missed both of them. Then what am I doing down here on the ground? You fainted at the first shot. I dropped purposely on the second shot. He missed every time. Come on, get up from there. <laughs> We're very lucky people. Yeah. What became of them? Hand me my gun. Oh, is this your gun? Wrap it in this handkerchief. Come over here. Yep. Here he is, the driver. And he's dead. This is dreadful, Archie. What do we do now? You got a lighter? Here's my pocket flash. Here's his gun beside him. Don't touch it. I'll look through his pocket. You knew what he meant when he said he had a record for me someplace. A picture of a girl says to Mike from Violet. Mike. Mike. The fellow's face is certainly familiar, but I can't... Hey, wait a minute. Mike. Mike... Mike Jordan, that's it. Mike Jordan? Yeah, Wolf cleared him on a frame-up three years ago, and this uh, this girl, Violet, is an entertainer in a nightclub downtown. Violet, yes, but what does all this have to do with Gloria? Strange, there's no other identification on him. Maybe the other guy took it off of him. Well, now we got to find Violet. How? We can't even find Gloria. I think now that this guy, Mike Jordan, missed us deliberately. Let's start hoofing it back to that last crossroad. There was a telephone there. I'll call Nero. <laughs> So that's the story so far, Mr. Wolf. Sorry to wake you up, but we wanted you to know. Yes, we did. Oh, such a night. What was your reason for telling the man that Dr. Thrumming was your brother? Well, I didn't want him to know that it was Doc because Gloria had called Doc and he must have known about it. And the driver turned out to be Mike Jordan. And what did Mike say to you in the car? Well, he didn't finish, but he said, I got a record for you, Goodwin. And then the man shot him up. When you located Violet at her place, she was cataloging recording. Hmm? Bring her in here now, Archie. Sit down, Dr. Thrumming. Uh, yes, yes, I am a bit worried. Come in, Violet. Uh, Violet, this is... Hey, wait a minute. You, you're Nero Wolf. Sit down, Miss Violet. Well, what's the idea, Mr. Goodwin? Why'd you bring me here? Will you look at this photo? It says to Mike from Violet. Where'd you get this? I got it, Violet. What we want to know is where's Mike now? What's he doing? Can you tell us where he lives? What's Mike done now? Can you tell us his address? Maybe. Do you know who he has been working for? Yeah. A guy with a big car and a lot of dough. You've seen this man? Yeah, kind of a good-looking guy. I think his name is Durant or, or something like that. I understand you've been occupying yourself with cataloging some phonograph recordings. Yeah, that's what I was doing when Mr. Goodwin came in. Mike's got a home recorder over at his place. Do you have all the records that have been made on the machine so far? No, just what we made in the last week. Lots more at his place. Do you and Mike know of a woman named Gloria? No, at least I don't remember. It was on Rinaldo Road. Gloria Barnesworth was her maiden name. Where is this Rinaldo Road? I don't know. It's in Westchester, we think. I've never been there. What has Mike done, Mr. Wolf? Is it bad? As a matter of fact, Mike is in the clear. There is no charge against him, and there never will be. You haven't seen him for a couple of days? No. And I never go to his apartment unless him and some guests are there. Do you know where he is? Will you give me the address of his apartment? Okay. 
324 East 35th Street. Thank you very much, young lady. What's all so mysterious? Well, something's happened to Mike. I can tell by the way you talk. Very well, Archie. You have a special visit to make. Look for the machine, and it's quite late, so you had best hurry. Well, I'm going with you, Archie. Now, good night, Nero. Oh, I mean, good morning. Oh, I don't even know what day it is. Come along, Viola. We'll drop you at your place first. Well, there we are, Doc. Yes, has his name right on it. Mike Jordan. No, well, we're fairly certain that no one's in there. What do you know? It didn't lock. The lights are on. I know. I know. Listen. Yes, a light humming noise. Huh. But where is it coming from? Overnight corner, those wall cabinets. There it is. A radio. And a phonograph combination. This and a recording machine. And the recording arm's still down on the record. Just lift it off and put the playback needle on. Yeah, there we are. Say Ronaldo Road. And that's where our Gloria called from, so they're all tied in together. Come along, Doc. We're going back to Mr. Wolf again, and we'll just take this record with us. Well, Archie, I guess this phonograph was worthwhile after all. Yes, indeed. Hey, don't you find this a very interesting recording, Nero? I'm sure we're going to add it to our collection. And these are the two men who took you on the right. That's right. But we're really no further along in our desire to help, Gloria. That's right. We're on Ronaldo Road. Boss, if we can find the address, will you go with us down there or over there or wherever it is? I might. And you already have the clue to the address. We have. Where? In that phonograph recording. Play it again, Archie. Just the part where he uses the telephone. And slow the speed way down. Then take down the numbers I call off. Okay, boss. Six, five, three, two, 
Two. Three. That's enough. By slowing down the record, we were able to count the clicks of each number he used on the dial. Now, there's the number the man called. We hope it is on Ronaldo Road. Have Inspector Kramer get the address of that number combination, and we are ready to make our assault. I'll call Kramer, and then I'll get the car out. It hadn't been out for weeks. Maybe it won't start. Hmm. No such luck, Archie, I assure you. No such luck. Oh, here it is. I think we must go through this big gate. Yes, yes, there's the number. 23, Ronaldo. Slip up to the entrance as softly as possible. Turn out your headlamps. Here we are, boss. Easy now getting out. Don't pull, Doctor. Don't pull on me. There we are. Now come along. Yeah, spooky sort of place, isn't it? All big houses are like that. Must be 20 rooms. Yeah. Not a light in the place. Use the knocker, Archie. Uh-oh, stand back. Here comes somebody. Yes? Uh, is Gloria in? What? Gloria? And who are you? Uh, we are here to see Gloria. Uh, come, come. It's this hour of the night? Certainly not. Uh, just a moment. She's an old friend of mine. Uh, yes, and his too. He's Archie. My good man, what is your name? Uh, Jennings, sir. And the um, household is in bed at this hour. What is it, Jennings? Who's at the door? Uh... They're asking for you, Miss Gloria. For me? Well, come in, gentlemen. You may go, Jennings. Please. Very well, miss. Just as you say. Now, what did you want? Say, Doc, is this the Gloria? Well, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem... Are you Gloria? Yes. Well, why did you call us? Oh, then then you're Archie Goodwin. Yes, and I'm Dr. Thrumming. Uh, but you I are... I called you because I need your help. Desperately. Gloria, oh. what is going on here at this hour? Oh, and who are these gentlemen? Would you... You see, Uncle, Mr. Goodwin came... Came to see you? Why? Well, I... Because I... I think you'd better go to your room, my dear. Don't you think that is best? Your room and rest? No. No, I don't want to. I won't. Go to your room. No. No, I won't. I can't. All those people walk in and out. They want to kill me. Jennings, take her to her room. Uh, yes, sir. Come along, please. No. No, I won't. I won't. Let me go. There are hundreds of people. They'll kill me. Come along. No, no. Please. Oh. I'm so sorry. There's nothing we can do with her. Now, Mr. Goodwin. Yeah? What is it you wish? The girl called you Uncle. Oh, pardon me. I'm Nero Wolf. How do you do, Mr. Wolf? Yes, she called me Uncle, but I'm not really a relative. I'm Dr. Gunther, retained by the family. As you can see... The girl is quite ill. Oh, well, we're old friends of Gloria's, and we'd like to see her. But you just saw her. We don't refer to this young lady. We have in mind the elderly Gloria. Now, come, Dr. Gunther. You know to whom we refer. What? You, you mean the girl's aunt? Well, it's very strange. If you are a friend of the aunt, that you are not aware of her condition. Her condition? Yes. The aunt has been bedridden for nearly a year. Paralysis. 
and it seems to be most coincidental with your visit, but she passed away this afternoon. Died? Gloria? This afternoon? But how could that be? We'd like to see the remains, Dr. Gunther. Yes, we'd like to see the remains. Just where are they? They are here, Mr. Crewe. And if you and your brother and Mr. Wolf will step this way to the small parlor... There you are, gentlemen. I'll leave you alone. I'll be in the library. Well, gentlemen, there she is. What do you say? Do you recognize this woman? Well, yeah. It's been many years, but that is Gloria Barnesworth. Well, good heavens, yes. It's Gloria, all right. Poor woman. I remember now. She married a very wealthy manufacturer named Kenton, who died. She's remained a widow, I guess. Uh, he said she died this afternoon. Are you sure it was an elderly woman who called you this evening? And by the way, just feel her forehead. It's warm. She couldn't have been dead more than an hour. She isn't dead. No signs of pulse. Your cigarette case, please. Hmm. Very slight moisture. Respiration, barely perceptible. She's under heavy narcosis. Been given a heavy dose lately. Uh, let's get out of here. Wait. Do you recognize the uncle... Father, Dr. Gunther? No, do you throw me? No. Does he look like the man who took you for a ride? It was too dark, boss. He was all bundled up in heavy clothes. <laughs> Let's get out of here. The door was locked after we came in. He's right. Come on, Doc. Let's put our shoulders to it. One, two... Go! Gentlemen, what on earth does this mean? Why'd you lock the door? Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's a spring lock. I had no intention of locking the door. And I suggest, Archie, that you have it repaired. And now, Archie, will you step to the door and let Inspector Kramer in? He followed us up the driveway. Yeah, about time. Getting cold down here. Inspector Kramer, this is Dr. Gunther. In that room is a woman he claims is dead. She is actually under the heavy influence of narcotics. Yeah? Well, who is she? Mrs. Gloria Kenton, widow of the wealthy shoe manufacturer. And this attractive young lady coming down the stairs is supposed to be mentally ill, which I do not believe. Her name is Gloria, too. A niece of the elder Gloria. But Archie and I both knew Gloria Barnesworth. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I get it, I get it. And I suggest that this man is not a doctor, but his young Gloria's husband... And they're attempting to force the Aunt Gloria to change her will in their favor. This is utterly ridiculous. The aunt was able to phone Doc Thromick and me tonight, but she was apparently caught in the act. And this man, who is posing as the uncle, hired Mike Jordan to drive his car while he picked up Archie with the intent of killing him. Well, this, this is the same man? The same. And if Mike Jordan hadn't recognized Archie, both of you would be quite dead. This man double-crossed Mike and killed him believing that the whole thing would be blamed on Mike. Mike deliberately missed. All right, so what's he going to do about it? Come on, let's get out of here fast. Look out, he's a cop. <laughs> All right, now get those hands up and keep them up. Come along, Archie, I have another appointment. The inspector can handle it from here on. <laughs> Yeah, you just fainted again when the shooting started. Oh. Really quite fortunate that Mike Jordan recorded that conversation. Fortunate indeed. How did you know this uncle was the same guy who took us for a ride? First by speech pattern, 
He is undoubtedly a Canadian. But you must have missed the most important slipper. What was that? When he escorted us to see the body, he said to you, Archie, if you and your brother and Mr. Wolf will step this way... Now, uh, how would he believe that Dr. Thrumming was your brother? No one mentioned it. Of course, the clue I planted and then missed myself. Quite right, Archie, quite right. What time is it? Uh, 8 a.m. I certainly appreciate your coming out for me on this deal. Oh, but I didn't do it just for you. There is an orchid lovers' convention this morning at 9 o'clock. What? And you mean... Yes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it tremendously. <laughs> Both of you. Oh, brother. Uh-huh. What's that? What's that? Nothing, Doc. Nothing at all. You have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story by John Edison was based on the characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Harry Bartell as Archie Goodwin and Howard McNear, Gene Bates, Peter Leeds, Bill Johnstone, Grace Lennard, and Jay Novello. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you The Case of the Final Page. Don Stanley speaking. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. Uh, Tomorrow night, we're going to hear from Martin and Lewis, followed by yours truly, Johnny Duller. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.